Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Canvas Church this morning. We're going to continue our series, Rooted. Uh, the Pastor Ben started last week, and so I'm excited to be here with you this morning and to share the word this morning. We're going to look at Mark chapter 2, so you can go ahead and start getting there. Um, and as you're getting there, I just want to look back at this definition of rooted that Pastor Ben gave us last week. Rooted means to render firm, to fix, establish, cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. How many of you like the sounds of it? I don't know about you, but I want to be one that's thoroughly grounded, that's not easily moved and shaken by the circumstances and the things that happen in life. How many, many of you know that phrase, life happens? Maybe it's not the phrase, life happens, but you know what I'm saying, right? Um, stuff happens in life, but man, when we're rooted in God, when we're rooted, as we're going to talk about today, in community, then we can stand firm, established, we will be immovable, amen? And so that's what we're going to look at today as we turn to Mark chapter Two. Now, looking at Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, um, the book of Mark is the second book of the New Testament, the first book being Matthew. Now, Mark is shorter than Matthew, so if you're looking to read through one of the Gospels, Mark is shorter than Matthew, so you can, you can go there, um, where Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus and going through uh, his family and his lineage, uh, Mark gets right to some things. And so at the very beginning in Mark chapter 1, we actually see um, six mentions of miracles, of miraculous things happening through Jesus. And then we get to Mark chapter 2 that we're going to look at today. And so let's go ahead and start there in verse 1. It says, when he entered Capernaum, again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the message to them. They found out that Jesus was at home, that he was in the house. And when they found out that he was there, suddenly the crowd gathered, so much so that they pressed into the house, they filled the doorways. There's a large crowd there, and there was no getting through the door. And then it says here, and he's speaking the message to them. In verse 3, Then they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Since there were, they, they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. I love this. And where, above where he was. And when they had broken through, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith. Everybody say their faith. Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there thinking to, them, thinking to themselves, not out loud, mind you, why does he speak this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus understood in his spirit that they were thinking this within themselves and said to them, now, now that should scare the heck out of you right there. Or, you know, all that other stuff out of you, Right? 
Jesus knows what we're thinking. Hallelujah. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Uh, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your mat, and walk? But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, paralytic I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Immediately, the man got up picked up his mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Don't you love it? And then I'm going to read to you Genesis chapter 2, just verse 18. You can write it down in your notes if you would like. Genesis 2, verse 18. God is creating the world, that which we see today, everything in it, creation is taking place. And as that's happening, this is what God says. He says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper as his compliment. And he goes on from there. So let's pray together, shall we? God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come to church together, to gather together in community with one another, and to look to the word of God. And Lord, we come and we just open up. Lord, we open up our hearts. God, we open up our minds. Lord, we wanna, we wanna receive from you today. God, we, we didn't get just come here today to, to check a box saying we, we did our duty for the week and we came to church, but Lord, we want to have an encounter with you. God, we want to meet with you. We want you to speak to us. And so we open up ready to receive that which you would have for us. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. 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 Here, here we see in Genesis, God is creating the world. And in this account of creation, with each day that passes, there's something that God says at the end of the day. He looks at it all and he says, it is good. Yeah, some of you know this. He says, it is good. And he goes on, it is good. And we see again, it is good. But this, what we read today, is the only place where God said it is not good. And so though we can focus in on what God created and what he thought was good, I think we need to draw attention to what he said was not good. And in this moment here, God looks and says, it's not good that man is alone. Now we might look at that and say, well, Adam was there and God was there and God and Adam are walking together and talking with each other and they're in the Garden of Eden. Isn't that enough? Well, apparently God didn't think it was enough. And God looks and says, it is not good that man is alone. And the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is every single one of us here today on this earth, we have been created for relationship. First and foremost, relationship with God, and secondly, relationship with one another. Relationship with one another. So God then begins, and he creates all the birds and all the animals, and, and they're being brought before Adam, and Adam's naming them, but God's looking going, man, no, that's not, that's not one that's comparable. Good old Fido comes along, and Adam names him man's best friend, but man's best friend wasn't enough, was it? God then caused Adam to fall asleep, and then we have woman, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Us ladies, thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, and God created woman, someone that would be comparable to Adam, someone that he could be in relationship with. And we, we see that today, and we see the results of that today. But it is not good that man be alone. It's not good that man be alone. We were created for relationship. And we, when, we, when we look um, uh, at... Uh, 
at us as, as human beings, and, and we look at some different studies that are out there. Um, uh, there's a man named Maslow. How many of you have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of need? Uh, he's a psychologist, and he, he, he discovered that there, there are some basic needs that we as human beings have, and that we'll, we'll just go forth and desire to meet those needs, and one of those needs is the need for belonging, the need for relationship, the need to be known, and to be known by others, and, and to know others, and to be known by others. It's a basic need that we have, a need for belonging. And so uh, when I was growing up, and I'm going to show my age here, uh, and some of you are not going to believe this, okay? And I'm totally fine with that, okay? But if you're 40 and above, you're going to know the theme song that I'm going to read to you because I'm not on the worship team, so I'm not going to sing it to you, okay? Um, I'm going to read this to you and see if those of us that are 40 and above, if you so choose to let the rest of the congregation here know that you're of that age group, you can say, shout out what, uh, what this theme song, song is from. But it says, sometimes you want to go. Where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see your troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Exactly. Cheers. Uh, we, we, those of us that are of a certain age group, we know that. Okay? Those that are below the age of 40, this is like your friends. Okay, it's like Friends, your show Friends that you grew up watching, right? But instead of being, instead of being set in a bar, the setting is a coffee house, okay? And so uh, these, these two different shows, uh, you know, if you, if you watch them, it's all about friendship. It's all about the, wanting to be known. You see Norm walks through the doors of Cheers, and what do they do? They shout, Norm, they shout his name. There's, they, we all have a desire to know and to be known. We see it in our culture today with social media, don't we? With Facebook, you've got 832 friends, really close friends, right? And, and we can Google to figure out how to get more friends because we want to know, know and to be known. We've got Instagram, we want followers, We've got to have more followers than we are following because somehow that means something, <laughs> right? So there's this desire in our culture to know and to be known. There are a lot of communities that we can choose to connect ourselves to and be a part of. There's the CrossFit community. Do I have anybody here that's part of the CrossFit community? Come on. Don't be shy. No? Okay, there's some. Come on. Yes. That's an intense community, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter is a dancer. She's a ballerina. So we know what it's like to be a part of the dance community, the ballet specifically, the ballet community. And we know what that's like. We'll go to the studio, and there are kids that are in class after class. I mean, they're just going from one room to the next room and the next room. And they're there five days a week, and the parents walk in. They all know each other. Uh, our youngest daughter is in a, a, on a club basketball team. Team. And man, that's like a like a cult thing. I think I don't know. It's just crazy. Um, they, 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 those kids are there five, seven days a week, and and they know each other. And parents walk in, and they walk through the doors of the gym, and they're like, "Hey, hey, Norm," you know, and they know each other. And uh, there, there's community there. They found a sense of community there. It might be a local bar that people go to, and they look for community there. It, it, it might be some other, you know, areas that you could put your finger on where you can find community. But the reality with all those communities that we've just mentioned, they all fall short 
in certain areas. When, when you come to a place in life where you have some serious needs and there's some things that you begin to go to, how many of you know you're not running to your CrossFit community saying, this is what happened, my mom just got diagnosed with cancer? No, there's, there's, there's a community, and it's the community of faith. It's the community of faith that when we face circumstances and things in life, that, man, we find some pretty powerful things there within that community. And so today we're going to look at the power and the benefit of being rooted in the community of faith, specifically a small group, because the early church in Acts chapter 2 understood the importance of community, not just gathering together on a Sunday morning like we are today, Acts chapter 2 tells us that the church gathered together in the temple, but then they did something else. They took it to the next level, and they met house to house, and they ate together, and they were in community and relationship with one another, and there were some great, incredible things that happened as a result of that. And in this passage that we read this morning, there's a man. He's, he's paralyzed, the Bible tells us, which means he has the inability to move, to get around, to do anything. He, he can't function. He can't, he can't get himself to Jesus. But clearly, he was in community. He was in a community of faith because there were four men. And so when we look at this, I, I want to look at when we're, when we're in community, when we're rooted in community, the community of faith, in relationship with other believers, there's some things that happen here. When I'm rooted in community, I have the opportunity to know and to be known. These four men knew this man. They knew his need. They knew that there was no way that he could get to Jesus on his own. They, they knew that about him. And he was known. In, in, in the community of faith, it's, it's an opportunity. It's a place. A small group is a place where you can have the opportunity to, to know others and the opportunity to be known by others. Uh, so that when you come on a Sunday morning, you walk, walk down that long corridor as you're coming in, passing those flags, suddenly you're going to, Judah! You know? Suddenly you walk in, Christy! You know? Because you've gotten yourself rooted within community, within that smaller group of, of community with other believers, and there's an opportunity to know others and to be known by others. And this is what that man had. And so these four men gather around him, and they do something. They begin to do something. And what we see is they brought him to Jesus. And when we're rooted in a community of faith, we have opportunity to know and be known and for people to know that we need to get to Jesus. The other thing that we see in community, when we're rooted in community, is we have the opportunity to be sharpened. And I know, just bear with me for a moment, okay? These are four men. It says men, so grown men, all right? Four grown men came together in agreement, right? Okay, just track with me. They came together in agreement. They all decided we're, we see the problem in front of us, and men naturally want to fix things, right? And that's what we love about you men. You love to, you're fixers. My, my girls, when something breaks, they don't bring it to mom. They know better. They bring it to dad. Dad's the fixer. And so these four men, naturally within them, a desire to fix the problem that's in front of them. They see that their friend is paralyzed, can't walk to Jesus, but Jesus is in the house. People are packed in there. They know they got to get him there. And they came in agreement with each other, and they each grabbed a corner. 
Then they had to somehow come in agreement with the speed in which they were going to walk, right? So they've got to decide the cadence, and, and they're walking together, and, 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 and they're taking their friend to Jesus. And then they get to the house, and they're presented with another problem, right? They can't get through the doorway. They, they, they're people pressing in, and so then they have a decision to make at that moment. What are we going to do? And I'm sure that they each had their own opinion on what they should do, right? Uh, how many of you are opinionated? Do you have thoughts? All of us, I think, and the rest of you aren't telling the truth. Um, you know, we all have opinions on how we think we should solve that problem. Well, these four men came in agreement, and they decided we're going to climb up on the roof, and we're going to pull back, and we're going to break open that thing, and we're going to put him before Jesus. How many of you know that that probably created some opportunity to be sharpened? some opportunity to forgive each other, some opportunity to say, you know what, I hear your idea, but what if we do this? And, and there were some opportunities to work out whatever they needed to work out to get on the same page and accomplish the goal of getting that man in front of Jesus. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. These men had to come in agreement, come together, work together, and, and in that, they were sharpening one another, becoming stronger and becoming better. And the, the thing that I see here is Jesus says something. He says, because of their faith. He notices the faith of the four men. He looks up and says, because of their faith. So when we come together in, in, in community with each other and we get rooted into a small community of believers, we have the opportunity to surround ourselves with people that have greater faith than we do, that, that maybe in that particular circumstance that we're facing, how many of you have ever faced something and you just have some doubt, you, you feel weak in the faith, but in a community like what we're talking about today, you have the opportunity to come together with someone that is a little bit stronger in that area, maybe has a little bit more faith and believes for, for, for you, for that thing that you're facing, and, and, and in that, we have the opportunity to be sharpened by their faith. As we come together with them and, and, you know, that whole idea and the imagery of, of sharpening one another, you look at a knife. And if you take a knife and you're always cutting cheese, which is soft, cheese is soft, it's, it's not as hard as a knife. And if you're continuing to take that knife and cut cheese, eventually what's going to happen is that knife becomes dull. And it gets to the point where you can't even cut anything. It's like it's as if you were using a butter knife to cut, try to cut your steak or something. But when you take... A sharpening stone, which is hard, and it, it's, it's stronger than that, that metal of your knife, and you begin to scrape it up against that sharpening stone, something happens to that knife. It becomes sharp. It, be, it, it becomes so sharp that it can pierce the simplest of things and the strongest of things. And so when we get together and we get rooted in community, we have the opportunity to, to work through challenges with one another. We have the opportunity to join together with someone that has a stronger faith in, in different areas of our life and maybe have faced some things that maybe we haven't faced so that we can look to them and learn from their example. Amen? Amen. It's a, it's a wonderful thing about the community of faith. The next thing we see here in this passage is that these men found, this man found a community where he was able to find encouragement and support. In the community of faith, when we get rooted in it, we find a place where we are encouraged and where we are supported. He was supported. They each took a corner. They each took a corner and began to lift him up. 
and begin to support him. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, you can write that down on your notes. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion will lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. They can support one and they can come together. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one, who can, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. This man found support from these four men. And it, it, there's something so great about coming together. And I remember when, when I first came to the faith and I first started on this journey of faith and I, I accepted Jesus Christ in my life and I had a lot of baggage. How many of you know what it's like to carry baggage through an airport? And you're going on a long trip and you got, I had a ton of baggage. I had a lot, a lot of baggage. Uh, but I'll, I'll never forget, uh, there was a, a time early on that I was at the church just a few weeks after I had been there uh, there was this group of girls that said, hey, Katie, um, why don't you come out, come out with us? And they invited me to tea. Um, if anybody knows me, right, you just <laughs> laughed. All right, thank you. Um, I'm not the tea kind of gal. I love tea, I, I, but I really love coffee. Come on, somebody. Um, I, but there was just something about they, they invited me, and I, I just thought, wow, this is, this is awesome. And, and um, I, I knew just very little about these gals, but it, it was an opportunity for me to, to connect and, and get to know them. And so they invited me out. I went to tea. We got all dressed up in our dresses, and I felt so out of place. And I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete. Well, I was an athlete. <laughs> Um, uh, at the time, I was an athlete. I go find me on a basketball court, but not much in the tea room. But um, I put on my dress and I got my, you know, hair done. Did and I was so nervous. I was so incredibly nervous because I didn't know these people very well. Um, but uh, I was really excited at the same time because they had invited me out and I knew something about them. I knew that they had been a part of church all their lives. I caught onto that real early, and here I am and not having been a part of church all my life, and having just come to Jesus and carrying a whole ton of bags. And I remember that time together at tea. Uh, they, they just, they so encouraged me in that time as we were together. They never looked at my baggage. They never called out my baggage. They just spoke life over me. They encouraged me. They, they spoke what God saw in my life and what God saw about me rather than, you know, the stuff of my past. And, and they looked and they saw the best and they communicated the best. And it just was such an incredible, incredible time connecting with them and, and becoming a part of, of that smaller community where I walked away from that and I would look in the mirror and I began to see what they saw. I began to see what God saw because I had some people that came around me and began to speak those things over my life and begin to encourage me. And we find that when we get connected into the community of faith. The next thing that is a benefit of being rooted in community is we're protected. We are protected the Bible says this in 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling, prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Now here at Canvas Church, we believe in a great God, in a good God, that God is awesome, that God is amazing. And in believing that, we also know that there is a devil out there that just really doesn't like us, frankly. 
And the Bible says that he's roaming around like a roaring lion, looking to see who he can devour. Now, I have two girls, an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old. They don't watch Animal Planet so much anymore. Um, but occasionally, we'll have Animal Planet on, on our screen. And uh, there's this thing about zebras. Now, zebras are kind of cool, right? Black and white stripes. You're always trying to figure out, is it black stripes on white or white stripes on black? We'll figure that out when we get to heaven, right? God will show us. Um, but, but zebras are pretty cool. And the, the number one predator is the lion. The zebra's number one predator is the lion. Uh, but the cool thing about zebras is when zebras are in their herd, when they're in their herd and they're traveling together in their herd, it creates what they call a blind the, the lion looks, and the lion cannot distinguish from one zebra to the next. It just sees this massive, massive wall of black and white. And so when, when a herd of zebras is going through, and there may be a lion in the vicinity, the, the lion will not go and attack the herd it, because it, it can't figure out, you know, which one is, you know, the weak one and can't identify but the moment one of the zebras breaks away and becomes isolated from the herd, that's the moment when the lion can see that there is one zebra, and he goes and he attacks, and it's not a pretty picture. You can check out Animal Planet later. What happens? It's just not nice. It's really not nice, right? When we are connected in the community of faith, when we come together, we're strong. Man, we're strong. We may, you, you may feel weak. You may feel down, you may feel tired, you may feel the temptation to isolate yourself, but man, when you stay connected in, in the community of faith and you get rooted in it, man, the, the, the devil, he doesn't mess with you. This, this happened to me this week. I received so many text messages this week of people saying, Pastor Katie, you are on my heart. I just want you to know I'm praying for you this week. I got another phone call saying I had a dream about you, and we're covering you in prayer. And, hey, you should let the intercessors know we're going to cover you in prayer. I got another message on Facebook. I started to freak out a little bit. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, I'm, like, so, I'm watching. I'm being extra careful as I'm driving, you know. I'm going, what's happening? But you know what? It just brought so much security to me knowing that I am in a community of faith, people that have my back, people that have my back, that are praying for me and that are doing all that they can to make sure that we're protected and that we're guarded in this, in this community of faith is so awesome. The next thing that we see in this passage, this man that was rooted in a community and, and these four friends, we see the end result of it is he experienced the supernatural. When we get rooted in community with other believers, there's potential for the supernatural to happen. Every single time you gather with other believers, the Bible talks about how God is right there in the midst of you. Look at this. Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20 says this. It says, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. I am there among them. That is amazing. That is amazing. As we can, I cannot experience that at the gym in community with those at the basketball club. I cannot experience that in my CrossFit community. I cannot, ex you hear me now? 
Man, but when, as believers, we come together in community with one another, the Bible says that as we're together, God is there in the midst of us. And we see with this man, they lower him down. Now, these were men, and they were very gentle. They were protecting him. They were lowering him down through a roof and got him to Jesus. And here at Canvas Church, our, our heart and our goal and our desire through every single small group that is here that you'll find out about today at the end of the service, every one of our small groups, our hope, our desire as Christ followers is to help one another get before Jesus. Just help each other, just continue to take steps further and further, closer and closer to Jesus. And, and, and these men got him before Jesus. They, they did their part and they brought him to Jesus. And then we see that Jesus saw their faith and a miracle took place. Now, we all think, when we, when we mention that miracle that happened, we all go, we all jump, and we go to the miracle of he was healed, and he got up, and he carried his mat out of, the, out of the house. But the greatest miracle that happened, happened first, when Jesus looked at him and said, son, your sins are forgiven you. Too often in the community of faith, we look to the healing. We look to the pick up my mat and walk out the door miracle. But the greatest miracle of all happened in that moment when that man was forgiven of his sins. The Bible doesn't say that when one person is healed, that all heaven rejoices. The Bible doesn't say when one person's delivered from that, that oppression of the enemy, that all heaven rejoices. The Bible says when one person is forgiven and comes in relationship with God, all heaven explodes and rejoices in that moment. The greatest miracle of all when we come together in the community of faith is when one person is forgiven by God, by their Heavenly Father, and they, they, they now are in relationship with God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, their God, their Heavenly Father. That is the greatest miracle. And when we come and, and we come together and we're rooted in community, we experience the forgiveness of God, the greatest of all miracles. And when we experience the forgiveness of God, then we as a church community, as a, as a community of faith, then are able to forgive one another and walk in forgiveness towards each other. This passage we just read a second ago where it talks about if just two of you will agree on anything. I was reading through it, and I go back to that, and it's, it excites me when I think about that verse. I get all excited. I get all stirred up to pray, right? Sometimes we forget the context in which some verses are mentioned. The context in which this verse is mentioned is right after talking about how we deal with offenses towards each other, how we deal with when, you know, a brother or sister in the faith, we have, we're at odds with one another. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we all know, and many of us may have experienced things through the community of faith and relationship with other believers that have hurt, that have been challenging. We all know that like every community, the community of faith isn't perfect. And the reason why it's not perfect is because people are involved, right? We're, we're involved. We're in that group, right? And so it's not perfect. There will be challenges. There will be opportunities to be sharpened. There will be um, things to work through. But when we continue to move forward in the community of faith, focused on being rooted in God first and foremost and receiving of his forgiveness, and we have forgiveness to give and receive from one another, and it's just such a beautiful picture when we begin to function in that way. As we gather together as a community of faith, 
coming together with one heart, one mind to seek God and to help each other get closer to Jesus and to face the challenges and the circumstances that we would face in life, great things, great things take place when we do just that. The last couple weeks, we had the Marion family. They're, they're facing some tough stuff right now with their baby girl, Adelaide. And I think it was about a week and a half ago, we got a text message. Uh, and it wasn't from their small group leaders. Guess what? It was from one of the, the other members in their small group. And they shot us in text and said, hey, pastor, we just want to let you know what's happening with the, the Marians. And they're in the hospital and they're in the ER with their daughter. And, and, but hey, our small group, we've got them covered. We're bringing them some meals. We're, we're making sure that they're taken care of. But we just wanted you to give you a heads up so that we can, as a church family, pray for them. I love that. I don't know about you, but I just absolutely love that. It just blew me away. You know how this small group found out? They called their small group. They, they, they reached out. They didn't reach out to their pastors. They reached out to their small group and said, I, I, these are the people I'm in relationship with. These are the people I'm connected with. These are the people that I've opened up my life and be, I've become vulnerable to. And those are the people that they let know what was going on. And this week, their daughter went through major heart surgery. She came out of that, and she's continuing to recover. And as a church family, man, we're, we're, we're joining together and praying and, and praying for that family and pay, praying for baby Adelaide. But it was such a beautiful picture for me this week to see the body of Christ coming together and supporting each other, encouraging each other, protecting each other, and continuing to walk with one another that we might believe for the supernatural. Amen. Let's conclude our service this morning. Let's stand to our feet. And as we, as we conclude and we, as we think about this and today being small group Sunday and opportunity for you to sign up for a small group here at Canvas Church, as we think about that and as we think about a message like this and we see a man who was carried by those he was in relationship to Jesus and brought to Jesus, as you think about that and as you reflect on life and, and maybe where you're at right now in regard to being rooted in community, you might just take a moment as we go into a moment of worship here and just begin to, to just have some conversation with God here and be like, you know what, if, if you're not in community right now and you say, you know what, I, I haven't connected. I haven't connected with other people of like mind and like faith. I haven't connected with those that are a, a part of my church family. I haven't taken that step. You see, one thing about social media and Facebook and Instagram that I think a lot of people really like about it is the fact that they have control. I can have all these friends and I can say things on there and if somebody says something I don't like, I can just delete it. There's a, there's a, there's a sense of control that we have there and there's a sense that I don't have to be as vulnerable, I, I don't have to put myself in a place where I can really be hurt. So I understand that taking the step of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get involved in relationship with other people. I can understand that that, that's a, that takes a step of faith. Sometimes it can, be, it, can, it can be a little bit scary, maybe if you've been through things in your past that, that have been hard. So I want you to just, as we go into this song this morning, I want you to just allow God to just minister and reveal if there's any of that stuff going on here in your heart. Let's just see what God might do. Thank you, Jesus.